Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk. Good morning. I'm add my welcome to you. So once again, this, is, uh, this has been a, a really tough week of news nationally, hasn't it? Uh, seems that there's a, another shooting that just continues to separate our nation. Uh, we just continue to have this growing divide between uh, what's right, what's justified, what's wrong. Uh, there continues to be this political division uh, among, among people. If you're on the, the left, then you're hated by those on the right. If you're on the right, then you're kind of hated by those on the left. You say, well, John, hate's kind of a big word, but it just kind of seems like that's where our society is right now. There is no common ground. There's no availability of having a conversation with two people and, and being able to disagree, but yet love each other and, and, and get along, right? There still continues to be people getting sick, right? I mean, people are still getting sick. Uh, you know, the test they're still not consistent. I mean, we don't know what to believe about the test. Are they 60% positive? Are they 40% positive? Are they, they, I mean, that, that maybe that's the test that where you get it up your nose or the blood. We, we don't know. There's so many false reports about what is, what is real, what is not real. There continues to be people that actually believe their, their social media rants are going to change the minds of those who don't uh, agree with them, right? I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I've had to ghost a lot of people. Because I just, all the negativity that is out there on social media, it's just so much. I, I wish Facebook would just get back to the, the part where we just took pictures of what we ate for breakfast, right? Remember those days when, oh, look, I ate this for dinner. Click, I'm going to put that on Facebook. Those were the days when it was simple, right? But now it's a matter of to mask or not to mask. Here's the statistics why you should. Here's the statistics why you shouldn't. Well, well let's mail-in vote. No, that, we can't mail-in vote. Well, well, here's why Donald Trump is fit to be president and not fit. Well, here's why Joe Biden is fit to be president and not fit. It's just full of all this negativity. The NBA was on strike this week. More protests going on. If the economy wasn't bad enough as it, as it is, uh, Hurricane Laura devastates the coast of Texas and Louisiana. Wildfires continue to destroy California, Oregon, Colorado. Personally, had dinner with my parents this last Monday night. My mom's uh, going in for uh, a cardiac workup th this coming Monday. My dad really needs to go right behind her. I found out my cousin's going to lose his job next week. I had my health risk assessment this week. I told Tammy I wasn't going to get on a rant about how, uh, like, on, about how uh, corrupt those things are, right? I mean, the things that you have to do to pass your health risk assessment. I mean, I worked really hard. I met my BMI. I'm thinking, this is good. And then the lady takes my blood pressure. Uh, what, what did it say? Uh, well, she has to write it down. Let me tell you what normal is. Well, I know what normal is. What's that say? Well, this is one, 140 over 96. That is not right. There's no way I'm 140. My head would be blowing off my skull if I was 140 over 96. Let's take it again. Well, maybe you just need to like go around and come back. No, just let's take it again. Let's take it again. Uh, no, let's let you go around. So I go around, I do my weight, do my measurement, do my height, come back around. Let's do it. Let's do it. She does it again. Writes it down. Just tell me what it is. Just tell me what it is. Well, it's 186 
over over 42. No, that's not right. That can't be right. So I said, all right, I'm going to sit here. And I just sat there. I just sat there. I went to my Jesus music. I'm just like. <laughs> and finally, they took it again. 180 over, I mean, sorry, 120 over 82. That's normal, right? That's normal. No, it's not according to the American Heart Institute, right? It has to be below 180 over 82 for me to get my points. So I didn't get my points for that. Something is absolutely tearing up my front yard. I don't know what it is. It's not a mole. I know what a mole is. It's like these burrowing little holes that are just going through my entire front. I got holes this big in my front yard. And I like my front yard. I take pretty good care of my yard. And so I was talking to some people. They say it's like a, an armadillo. How do you get rid of an armadillo? Thank you. That's what everyone tells me. Just get your 22 out and shoot it. Does anyone know that an armadillo is a nocturnal animal? Right? I mean, 2 o'clock in the morning, shots going off in a suburban neighborhood probably is going to cause some chaos. Right? I don't mean to sound negative or anything. I mean, I'm the positive one, Tony. I'm the positive one. Someone tell me some good news. Any good news out there today? Anybody? Talk me off the edge. I'm going over the edge here. Right? Maybe some of you are like me. Just kind of struggling just to stay positive at times. With just all the negativity that is just all around us, isn't it? All the negativity that's all around us. It's so easy to get sucked in to just the negative talk, to the news, and to the fear and the anxiety that seems just to kind of come and overwhelm us at times. It's hard at times to have an attitude of faith as a Christ follower, isn't it? It's hard in times like this to have an attitude of faith and believe that God is still on his throne, that God is still in control sometimes in the midst of all of that and have that attitude and live that attitude out. So over the next few weeks, we're going to try to do that together. We're going to try to do this together. So we're going to look and we're going to explore some things that we can do that we can, we can say to be positive in the midst of all of our struggles and all of our fears, in the midst of all those things that seem to overwhelm us with anxiety at times, and not just stay positive. This isn't like a self-help series, okay? It's more than that. It's more than just Zig Ziglar getting up and giving you some help, help or some, some, just some, some good tips on staying positive. But we want to allow God to work in our lives, through our lives, to transform us to transform our minds, to transform our hearts so that we can see him and we can live him out in the midst of everything that we are currently going through today. And so that's our hope over the next five weeks. So the title of today's message, believe it or not, is Enough of the Bad News. Enough of the Bad News. And so that, with that title kind of in our backdrop, what I want us to, to kind of, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8. And, and to be completely honest here, as I was praying about you know, passages to talk about and, and how to kind of to, to just communicate this, um, this passage just kept coming up, Romans 8. And, and I understand and I, and I know that, that this, this, is a, this is a big, big passage here. I mean, it's pretty heavy. And, and there's a lot in it. And, and it's very meaty. And we could probably spend three or four weeks just right here in chapter 8. And so by no means am I going to try to do an exhaustive walk through this entire chapter. But, but I am going to try to kind of walk through some things that Paul shows us here 
Because chapter 8 in Romans truly is, if you really look at it, it really is a great chapter when it looks at bad news versus good news. Bad news versus good news. What, what, we, what we can look at and focus on and stay positive. So chapter 7 of Romans ends with Paul, which again I said Paul wrote this book uh, to the church in Rome. Paul had not yet visited uh, this church. It was, it was a full of young believers, both Jews and Gentiles, who desperately needed not only what he felt to hear the gospel, but to understand the gospel, to truly understand what the gospel taught. And so at the, at the end of chapter 7, Paul hears an absolute mess. He's an absolute mess. And I don't mean he's, a, he, he's, he's frustrated. He's not frustrated with the church. He's frustrated with himself. He's, he's struggling with this idea and this issue of sin or something in his life. And he's saying things like, I want to do what I know I should do, but I just can't seem to, to do what I know I should do or want to do. And in other words, what he's saying is, why am I always messing up? Why am I always just, why am I just such a screw up? I know what's right, but I do what's wrong. I know what I should do, but I just can't seem to do it. Can anyone relate? Can anyone relate? I think we all can, right? I think we all can relate to Paul here. None of us maintain the right attitude all the time, do we? And none of us make the, the best decisions and the best choices and make the right choices when, we're in front of it, when they're in front of us all the time, do we? None of us say the right things all the time. None of us think the right things and the purest things all the time. None of us trust God in everything we do all the time, do we? And Paul was struggling here. He was struggling with just this idea of why am, I, why am I struggling with this? Because I shouldn't be. And then we get into chapter 8. And it's kind of like his thinking begins to kind of shift. And he's trying to talk himself out of some negative and talk himself into some positive. He, he's trying to remind himself of the good when he's been thinking about the bad. And so he goes, he starts this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Follow along with me. He says, Therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So in other words, what he's saying here is that for those of us who have put our trust in Christ Jesus, because he was talking to believers, he was talking to the church, he says for those of us who, put our, who have put our trust in Christ Jesus and what he did on the cross, because of what his death did, it paid the penalty for our sins, and, and it's something that we couldn't do on our own because the law proved that, Right? Because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his death, and because he didn't stay in the grave, and he rose on that third day, there is no judgment for my sins. There's no judgment for my sins. It says, he says there's no condemnation. There's no more condemnation. He's reminding himself of that. In, in condemnation, it's a legal term to be free from debt or penalty when he says no condemnation. So Jesus paid for your sins, and he paid for my sins. Talk about good news. That's incredible news. The bad news is, on your own, not a chance. Not a chance. But through Jesus and what he did on the cross, there is no condemnation. It gets better. See, no condemnation means 
at all. At all. It doesn't just mean the sins of my past. Okay? Not just the sins of my past or of my present, but also of my future. And see, we have a hard time living there as Christ followers. Because when we accept Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we automatically think, okay, he just forgave me of my my previous life. But Paul's saying no condemnation here means at all. Ever. Ever. You don't have to worry about the sins of your past. You don't have to worry about the sins of your present. And you don't have to worry about the sins of your future. And we struggle with this because we think once we mess up, I'm under condemnation all over again. And Paul says, no, that's the law. It didn't work. It didn't work. It proved that. But through Jesus and what he did on the cross, it's once and for all. It's once and for all. And we as Christ followers need to learn how to live there. We need to learn how to live here. So this is what Paul says in verse 5. He says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So here's is, in other words, what we set our minds to, it matters. It matters. What we think about, what we set our minds uh, in front of our minds, it matters. It is so important. It is so important when we're talking about staying positive, what we set our minds on. Okay? Let me see if I can give you some contrast here. See, a mind focused on the flesh, as Paul says, is focused on the flesh, which is themselves, not on the things that God desires to do in their life. And what God desires and what he wants for your life. Have you ever let your mind take you farther in a situation than what it really was ever going to be? Like you've kind of let your, like something happens and you just kind of automatically think worst case scenario. Or at least within a matter of 10 minutes your mind has you in worst case scenario. And DEFCON red, right? Has that ever happened? So, to give you an example, like this week. It would have been very easy for me to think about, okay, I'm speaking this week. I'm speaking this week. And I could have allowed my mind, if I wanted to, to go down a pretty scary path, honestly. I could, it could have started with something like this. You know, I'm not good enough to do this. I mean, really. I mean, who am I? I'm not seminary trained. I mean, wouldn't Tony and Dave be much better at, at talking about this th- than I would be? I mean, who am I? I mean, I bet when people hear me speak, or when they know I'm speaking, they go to another church. They go to another church that Sunday, or they log on and they listen to a, a real preacher from another church because they know I'm speaking. And honestly, I mean, if people really knew what my study habits were like, they wouldn't think I'm a very spiritual leader. I mean, if they would have known that Wednesday I got home from work and I justified in my own mind that I'd had a long day at work and I knew I was speaking Sunday, but you know what? I was just too tired to, to study anymore and so I watched TV all night. If they would really know that about me, they'd think, oh my gosh, I cannot believe what a spiritual leader that person is. How can, I, how can we stand and listen to that guy? And then if they knew that sometimes I lose my temper, I know that's hard to believe. If they knew that sometimes I lose my temper, but you know what? If the people that worked at Dunkin' Donuts were really efficient enough and they would serve 
the people, their donuts quick enough and their coffee quick enough, then that traffic wouldn't get backed up all the way to South Campbell and block me from getting to work. I mean, if they would just, just, just get the donuts in their hands, it's not that hard. If they knew I lost my temper, they really wouldn't want to listen to me. You know, I, I forgot to email a couple of people back this week. I don't see them here. That's probably why. <laughs> the reality of it is I've just never been good enough. I mean, really, I've just never been, I never was a good enough son. I couldn't live up to their expectations. I couldn't live up to the expectations of my teachers. You see where your mind can go? You see where your mind can go if left on its own? If focused on the flesh and the things of the flesh? Because the reality of it is, is, is what was that all about? That was all about me. That was all about me with a capital M. And it wasn't focused on who? On what God wants to do in my life. And that's what happens when we focus, when we focus on our flesh. It's more about us. It's more about us. And this, what I'm doing right here, has nothing, has nothing to do with me. It is about God being honored and about God being glorified in everything that I do. A mind that is focused on the negative is focused on the flesh, on the flesh. Tammy sent me this this, uh, this week, and, and she knew what I was, I was uh, talking about this week, and it was actually part of one of her devotions, which I found was really, really, I wanted to read this, and it says this. The mind of Christ in us is positive. Listen to that again. The mind of Christ in us is positive. So when we fall for the opportunity to be negative about something, we should instantly discern that we are not operating with the mind of Christ. God wants us to be lifted up. It's the enemy of our soul who wants to press us down, allow us to live depressed, allow us to live in fear, and allow us to live anxiously. That's not the spirit of God. That's the spirit of the enemy of our soul. That is so, so true. It is so, so true. So Paul says, listen, don't have a mind focused on the flesh, okay? But focus, but focus on what? A mind of the spirit, which what does Paul say? Gives life and peace. A mind focused on the spirit gives life and peace. Several years ago, I ran a marathon. Uh, several years ago, I ran a marathon. Um, haven't ran one since. Uh, it, was, it was my third one. I was in my 20s. My first one was just I ran it to run it. Second one was uh, a horrible experience. I ended up with a stress fracture in my foot, continued to try to run it, and ended up with like an hour longer than my first marathon. So, you know, a person in their 20s who's a little bit competitive can't, li- can't end on that. So I decided to run a third marathon. And I'll tell you what, I had a great training. I had an incredible training. I, uh, um, I, I, my long runs went perfect. I felt like I nutritioned well. I was hydrated. Come race day, this guy was ready to meet his normal, his, his PR. I was ready to PR. I wasn't, I wasn't running for like a Boston qualifier. And I was just trying to run just to make my own, uh, my own uh, time, right? So 13, 13 and a half miles into it, the guy I'm running with, um, which happens, ends up with what we call a little intestinal distress, 
Okay, uh, and if you've ever had long runs, if you've ever been on really long runs, guess what? It just happens. All right. Sometimes it just happens, just comes out of nowhere. You're not expecting it, and it just kind of it's there, right? And so, about 13 and a half miles into it, there was a porta potty station, and he's like, "Hey, you know what? I'm I'm stopping. I'm uh, you go on." And I was like, "Oh no, I'll wait for you. I'll wait for you." Mistake, mistake. Because as soon as I stopped to wait for him. All of a sudden, I felt my legs get really tight. And what happened, uh, medically speaking, is what my wife tells me, is my, my, my legs filled with lactic acid. Okay? At that point, it becomes kind of painful, and your legs start to cramp. Well, again, I was in my 20s, and so I was stubborn enough to say, I can finish this race. Well, about 14, 14 and a half miles into it, um, I am cramping from my toes to my waist. I mean, every single muscle. I didn't know I had muscles that could cramp like that, and they were cramping. But I kept going. And at mile 16 to 17, the cramps had kind of moved up into my core and kind of into my diaphragm. And I was just, I was in excruciating pain. Tammy had been kind of driving with the kids. Uh, she had the kids with her, and she'd been driving the course, kind of checking on me, trying to figure out where I was. And I had, she knew I was struggling. Uh, every once in a while, this red car would come flying by, and little salt packets would come flying at me because the kids were throwing salt packets. That's when McDonald's had little salt packets. And, you know, because they were trying to get some salt back into my system, just uh, it was way too late, but I thought, you know, anything could help. So I got like salt packets in the sides of my cheeks, like I'm chewing tobacco. I'm trying to get all this, this salt into my system. Miserable, absolutely miserable. But so what did I have to do to finish that? I had to focus, not mile marker to mile marker, but I had to focus on some positive thinking from five feet to five feet to the next five feet, to the next five feet, just to make it through that. And I think sometimes, sometimes that's what it's like as Christ followers, isn't it? Sometimes we, we can't look for the next mile marker. Sometimes we can. But there are times in life when, when we just need to have to look down and focus on the next step of moving forward. The next step of moving forward. Next step moving forward and trying to stay focused on the things of God. Because guess what? Our life is full of struggles of all kinds, of all shapes and all sizes. And we have to focus sometimes minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, living through the Spirit that gives us life and gives us peace and gives us peace. So the great thing about the rest of Romans 8 is Paul gives us a little help here. He gives us a little help. So if you're struggling today to find the positive in life because of current life situations, Paul gives us some things that we can focus our minds on if we choose or when we choose to live in the Spirit. A few things that we can find life and peace in. Go with me first to Romans uh, chapter, or chapter 8 verse 14. First verse there, just for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, are children of God. First thing Paul shows us is this. When we focus our minds on the things of the Spirit, we see that we are children of God. We see that we are children of God. The first thing that Paul says is, he says, for those who are led by the Spirit... Now, many of us think that, you know, when the Spirit leads us, it's to kind of help us make decisions, like what kind of a job should I, should I take this job, should I not take this job, should I, should I marry this person, should I not marry this person, should I go to school here, should I not go to school here, and yes, it is. But, but right here, it was, it, was, it was weightier. Paul had more meaning to it than just help me make a decision. What it was, it was an identifier. 
It was identifying. He says, for those who are led by the Spirit, he's identifying you because if the Spirit lives in you, guess what you are? You're a child of God. You are a child of God. He's saying here, if you are led by the Spirit, it's because you have the Spirit of God living in you. Which, guess what? That means that you have been adopted. You've been adopted by God and you are His. You are a child of God. The adoption was a much, much more customary legal procedure in Roman society, even than it was in Hebrew culture. And Paul, being a Roman citizen, he was very, very familiar. He was very, very familiar with the process of adoption. Adoption usually occurred when a a wealthy uh, person, a wealthy adult, had no heirs for their estate. Okay, And so they would look for someone to adopt so that they could leave their estate to. Now, here's the amazing thing, that a few things happened the moment the adoption took place. The moment that occurred, first, this person's particular debt and legal obligations were immediately paid for by the person who was adopting them. Second, they received a new name. They received the name of the person who was adopting them. And third, the, the, the father, their new father, instantly became liable for all of their personal actions, for all their offenses, for all their crimes, for all their debts. Now think about your relationship with God the Father. When we come into a faith relationship with Him through Jesus Christ, guess what happens? Guess what? Immediately, immediately our debt is forgiven. Immediately we are given a new name. And immediately there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Paul says, listen, if you're having trouble focusing on the, on, on the Spirit, let me just remind you, if you are led by the Spirit, then you are a child of God. Just focus on that. Let that sink in. If you're having trouble thinking about something positive, think about the fact that you are a child of God. Amen? You are a child of God. Forget about your current situations. Forget about what's, what's holding you back. Don't focus on the things of the flesh. Don't focus on the negative. But allow God's Spirit to remind you that you are a child of God. And then Paul continues in verse 15. He says, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. In verse 18, it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The second thing that I think Paul shows us this is that when we focus our minds on the things of the spirit, we do not have to fear our current situations. We do not have to fear our current things that are going on in our lives. We see all kinds of things in these, in these first few verses. In verse 15, we see security. Why? Because he says we do not have to live in fear. We have security there. We have intimacy. He says when we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, the original translation is Daddy. It's, 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 a, very, it's, it's a great uh, a term for intimacy in, in Arabic. And the, the, a little child doesn't come up, your, your kids don't come up to your dad and go, Father, at age two and four and five and six and eight. No, they say dad, daddy, because it's a term of love and intimacy and endearment, right? In verse uh, 16, we see assurance. It says the Spirit himself 
testifies that we are children of God. It's the idea that when we cry out, God, Father, Abba, Daddy, that the Spirit of God somehow comes alongside us and gives us assurance that we are His. This theme of adoption continues in verse 17. It says, now we are children and we are heirs of God the Father. And then we come to 18. And he says, I consider it I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. In other words, Paul, Paul, who had been beaten with rods, beaten in lashes, imprisoned, stoned, shipwrecked, betrayed. This is a guy who says that my present sufferings are nothing compared to what I will receive one day are nothing compared to the glory that I will experience that moment, that moment in time when I see Jesus face to face and I, and, I, and I spend eternity in heaven, that our present sufferings, that the things that we are going through right now, that our hardships, our job loss, our sickness, the disease, the relationship challenges, whatever that currently is right now, right here at this present time, Paul says is nothing, is nothing Compared to when you think about that moment in time when we will be face to face with Jesus Christ and God the Father. Paul says that a mind that is focused on the things of the Spirit, we do not have to fear our current situations because there is, so, there is something so much greater in store for us. So much greater in store for us. So the mind that is focused on the Spirit we can understand that we are children of God. We can focus on that. We can live in that. We can meditate on that. And we can focus on the idea that we do not have to fear our current situations. And then third, when we have our mind focused on the things of the Spirit, we know and we understand that we can approach God in our weakness. We can approach God in our weakness. Look at what it says in verse 26. It says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself, listen to this, intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I don't know about you. I need to hear that. I need to hear that. I hope you do too. If you're like me, there are times, there are times when, when I just feel incredibly weak. I don't know about you, but there are times when I feel incredibly unworthy. And I feel incredibly undeserving to even talk to God. I don't know about you, but there's times when, when I feel like I can't even go before the Father. And when we feel that way, when we don't have the words to speak, when we don't have the words to pray, it's in times like that that the Spirit of God intercedes for us. Not through words, not through our words, but because He knows the motives and the affections of our heart. Think about this. When you feel this way, undeserving, unworthy, you don't know what to say, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead intercedes for us, intercedes for you, and hears your prayers when we don't know what to say, when we're feeling weak. Are you feeling discouraged today? Do you feel weak today? The Bible says that the Spirit will intercede for you. If you are confused, 
He'll intercede for you. He will be your guide. If, if you are anxious, He will intercede for you. He will be your peace. If, if, you're, if you're weak, He will intercede for you. You are not alone. He will be your strength. And then we read verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. And we know that all, all, all things, all the good things and the bad things, in the days that we love, in the days that we struggle, in the middle of the heartbreaks, in the middle of the inconveniences of life, God works for the good of those who love Him. He will use whatever, whatever, whatever situation for His good. I know currently many of us are struggling with what we are calling the new normal. The new normal, right? Many of us, I mean, so many realities, so many realities in our lives have, have changed, haven't they? Because of sickness, because of COVID, because of racial tensions in our country breaks my heart, because of political division among our neighbors. And left to our own minds, we will focus on all the things that just don't seem right in this world and the negative. And I've, I've heard many people say, I've even said it, maybe you have said it. I just can't wait for things to get back to normal. Have, has anyone else said that? Just can't wait for things to get back to the way they used to be. They used to be. Well, what if? What if our focus was not that? What, what if we focused on the things of the Spirit? And we believe that God can do better than what was normal. I mean, many of us were complaining about the normal to begin with. What if God could do far greater than what normal was? What if in times like this, the church, as Tony constantly says, would truly shine? Would truly shine like the stars in the sky? What if better than normal? What if the church was better than what it used to be? And people all over this city, all over this country, all over this state, all over this, this world would see Jesus being lived out in their daily lives, in their jobs, in their relationships, in their families. And families would be made stronger than what they were. And relationships would be better than what they were. And people were being ministered to far better than they ever would be ministered to. And lives would constantly be surrendering to the person of Jesus. What if? What if we weren't satisfied with what normal used to be? What if we looked at the negative and didn't look at it through the eyes of the flesh, but we looked at it through the eyes of the Spirit, and we could see that God could do something far, far greater than what we could ever imagine. What we focus our minds on matters, folks. What we focus our minds on matters. Do we spend more time focused on the flesh? Or do we spend time focused on the Spirit? I'm going to ask that you stand. And I'm going to read the last nine verses of this chapter. And I want you just to take these words in. I want you to listen to him. You can read along with me if you want. 
But in honor of God's word, let's stand and let's breathe these words in. What then shall we say in response to these things and everything that Paul just talked to us about? What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How will, how will he not also along with him graciously give us things, all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ, Paul says? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered sheep as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things... We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for how you love us. And Father God, no doubt myself, people here, people online need to be reminded, Father God, that that what we think about matters. Heavenly Father, just allow us to, to stay focused, Heavenly Father, on living through the Spirit. And for some of us, God, I know that that's tough. For myself, at times, it's tough. Because there's things in life all around us that keep distracting us that pull us, that give us anxiety, that give us, that give us uh, frustration, that give us fear. But Heavenly Father, maybe it's, just, maybe it's just minute by minute. Allow us just to focus on the fact that we are a child of God. If we have come to faith in Christ Jesus our Lord, we are a child of God. And we have nothing to fear. And we can approach you in the moment of our weakest time. Heavenly Father, thank you for that. Thank you that you have given us that opportunity through your son, Jesus. And it is your strong and your powerful name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about Northridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org.